You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, dear brothers and sisters. We thank God for the privilege that we have to study together the book of Daniel. And at this point of time, I would like to continue with the book of Daniel. And we have arrived to the sixth chapter. And I would like to read, beloved brothers and sisters, the first 17 verses of Daniel chapter 6. The topic of this portion is Daniel is cast into the lion's den. Let me read, please follow me, from verse 1 of Daniel chapter 6. And we read, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and hundred and twenty princes which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion, no fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together 
to the king and said, Thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persian, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a full time. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hath thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lion? And the king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persian, which altereth not. Then answered they, and said before the king, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree which thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king when he heard these words, was so displeased within himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled together unto the king, and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. And the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lion. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. And so we stop here, beloved brothers and sisters, with verse 17 of Daniel chapter 6. It is very interesting to know that in the Masoretic Hebrew text, the last verse of chapter 5, which is verse 31, 
is actually the first verse of Daniel chapter 6. And just to remind you that in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 31 we read, And Darius the Median took the kingdom, or received the kingdom, being about threescore and two years, sixty-two years old. That is actually the first verse of Daniel chapter 6. So there is a link between chapter 5 and chapter 6, because in chapter 5, it was in 539 BC when Belshazzar, the final Babylonian king, was the one that was defeated by the Medo-Persian, and ultimately he died. And from there on, beloved brothers and sisters, there was an end to the Babylonian kingdom, and the new kingdom had began, that is the Medo-Persian. To remind you that we learned already in Daniel chapter 2, that during the times of the Gentiles, when the Jewish people will and not be for this length of time in a privileged position before God, and the kingdom would be taken from them and handed unto the Gentile world, these times of the Gentiles, which really began specifically when the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem occurred in 586 B.C., that the kingdom was handed to the Gentile world. And you remember in the dream of chapter 2, when Nebuchadnezzar saw a huge dream that the head was made of gold, the breast and his arm was silver, the belly and his thigh was of brass, and his legs was iron, and his feet was iron and clay, partly iron, partly clay, until... The stone, which is the Messiah, would come and will destroy the whole image, the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold. And so Daniel interpreted the dream for Nebuchadnezzar that the kingdom of Babylon will come to an end and a new kingdom, which is the Medo-Persian, will begin, and even the Medo-Persia will come to an end, and the Grecian Empire will continue, and then the Roman Empire, and ultimately the revived Roman Empire will rise until the Messiah will come, and the times of the Gentiles will come to an end, when Israel will be restored, and the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, will be received by the nation of Israel. Well, here you can see, in the sixth chapter of the book of Daniel, that a new kingdom had its beginning. 539 BC, the Babylonians were destroyed and defeated by the Medo-Persian. And in fact, we have learned that King Belshazzar, which ruled over the city of Babylon, he was defeated and ultimately he was killed. Now that we have arrived to chapter 6, now we have the Medo-Persian is coming into power. You notice that we did read in chapter 5, verse 31, that Darius the Mede, in the King James, he says, took, 
but in the Aramaic it says receive. Ihu kibel in the in Aramaic kabel or kibel mean that he received the kingdom. Whom did he receive the kingdom from? Well, it was King Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, and the mid Darius received from King Cyrus the kingdom, and now he began to rule over the province of Babylon, which became part of the larger Medo-Persian kingdom, which had its beginning when Babylon was defeated. So by the time we have arrived to chapter 6, we have now the beginning of the Medo-Persians who ruled now until this kingdom will come to an end. Well, you notice in this sixth chapter that we learn a few things about uh, the Medo-Persians and the things that happen in the time when Daniel, who is now much older, and he is now continued to serve in the Medo-Persian Empire. You can just imagine how many years have passed by, and Daniel now is uh, having the privilege to serve in an upper level of service in the Medo-Persian kingdom. And so we read in chapter 6, in verses 1, 2, and 3, that Darius, the king of Media, elevated Daniel in his own kingdom. Apparently, as there was a shifting or a move from the Babylonian Empire to the Medo-Persian Empire, Daniel was appreciated and recognized, and we read, it pleased Darius, this is verse 1, to set over the kingdom a hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Again, to remind you that the king Cyrus was really ruling over the kingdom of the Medo-Persian, but Darius, he was under King Cyrus, he was a Mede, and he received the kingdom over the province of Babylon, and he is now the one that set 120 princes over the whole kingdom that he was ruling over. Again, under King Cyrus. You notice what it says, that he wanted to have 120 princes. Notice that verse 2 continue. He also said, over and above the 120 uh, princes or officers, he also set over them three presidents. Those presidents or governors or administrators, they were over all the 120 princes in the realm of the kingdom of Darius. Now, one of these three presidents was actually Daniel himself. Notice it says in verse 2, over these were three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. In other words, Darius, in a new system of governing, 
he set 120 princes and over them there were three presidents and one of them was Daniel and the reason that he have done so according to verse 2 is that the king should have no damage. They were responsible to manage the affairs of the kingdom that Darius was ruling over and these presidents were reported by the princes But you notice that Daniel was first of those three. In other words, he was recommended by many to Darius. And apparently, according to verse 3, we read that this Daniel was preferred above all the presidents and princes. And the reason for this, verse 3 tells us, because an excellent Spirit was in him. Notice this, beloved brothers and sisters, an excellent spirit was in him. What does that mean, an excellent spirit was in him? To remind you that when we have already read in chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. In other words, Daniel was a godly Hebrew man who sought the will of God. Along with him were Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, of whom we read in the previous uh, chapters. But now in this sixth chapter, Daniel is set before us. He had an excellent spirit. Why did he have an excellent spirit? Because he was a man of God. He purposed in his heart to please the God of heaven, to please the God of Israel, to please the God of his fathers. And that's left an impact. Wherever he was, wherever he and his fellow Hebrew boys, Hebrew young men, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, These and many others who were carried captive by the Babylonian, they were men of God. They had an excellent spirit in them. And here specifically, beloved brothers and sisters, we can see that Daniel had an excellent spirit. He was guided by the word of God. He was motivated to please his God. We read here in verse 3, that the king sought to set him over the whole realm. You see, beloved brothers and sisters, what a testimony it is to learn from Daniel. He was a man of God that sought to please the Lord. And even the king, King Daryavish in the Aramaic and in Hebrew, Darius in the English, he sought to set him over the whole realm. Wonderful view of this uh, man by the name of Daniel. By now he is much older. By the time that we have arrived to chapter 6, many years have passed by from 605 BC to 539 BC. Many years have passed by. Over 64 years have passed by. Well, now notice this, beloved brothers and sisters, that in the next verses, verses 4 to 9, we see the envy and the accusation of these princes and presidents 
against Daniel. You see, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, it is so real in life. There is always seems to be a conflict, always a desire to oppose God's people by the people of the world, to find something wrong and in God's people. And here we see that these presidents and princes who were part of these 120 plus the three, who were responsible now to oversee the affairs of the kingdom of the Medo-Persia, they were envious of Daniel. So they sought to find something to cause him to stumble and to fall in order that he will not be promoted to be over the whole realm of the Medo-Persian. And so we do read, listen to these beloved brothers and sisters, verse 4 to 9. First of all, we read that in verse 4, that the presidents and princes sought to find an occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. They tried to find something fall in him, some accusation to cause him to fall or to cause him to be guilty so he will not have that privileged place before King Daryavish, King Darius. But you know what we read in verse 4? They could find none occasion, no fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now, of course we know that Daniel, like all men, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't learn from this verse 4 of Daniel chapter 6 that he was a perfect man or a sinless man. No, because he himself, when he prayed later on in Daniel chapter 9, he prayed and he himself said in prayer to the God of heaven, to the God of Israel, we have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. We have rebelled. We have departed from you, a God. He prayed this in Daniel 9, especially in verse 5. He confessed his sins and the sins of his people. But he was a godly man. He sought to please God. He was a faithful man. You remember, beloved brothers and sisters, the apostle himself, who wrote to the Corinthians when he addressed them and challenged them. He told them in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God wanted his own people to be faithful. And it is extremely important to be faithful. Now, Daniel, we are confident that he failed like any others. And uh, many men and women of God, we all fail. But to be faithful is a desire of God for his own people, that they will be wherever they are. When they fail, when they stumble, they are to confess their sins and He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness on the basis of the finished work of our Lord Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah. Well, here we see that these presidents and princes sought to find an occasion against Daniel, but apparently, beloved brothers and sisters, they found none, 
none occasion, no fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. He was serving King Darius. He was a blessing to the Medo-Persian as he was a blessing to the Babylonian because he understood that God had allowed the people of Israel to be taken captive for a while, for a season, for 70 years to be taken to Babylon. He understood that, that the hand of the Lord was upon his people of Israel and he disciplined them. But wherever he was, he was faithful. It is important for us that the Lord will help us to seek to be faithful wherever the Lord allows us to be in our own life. This is wonderful to learn about Daniel. You know, we remember when King Solomon gave the Proverbs to the people of Israel, he himself reminded Israel in chapter 20 and verse 6 of the importance of being faithful. We read in verse 6, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, a faithful man who can find in Hebrew, Ish emunim miyimtza, a faithful man who can find. In chapter 28 of the book of Proverbs, and verse 20 we read, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. A faithful man shall abound with blessing. In other words, God promised to bless Ish Emunot, a faithful man. God promised to bless a faithful man. Well, Daniel was a faithful Men, ish emunim in the Hebrew and the Aramaic language. And so we read here, beloved brothers and sisters, that they could not find any occasion against him. And so notice what they have done in verse 5. So that the pre-planning and the desire of these presidents and princes to find some fault in Daniel. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they realize that Daniel sought to be faithful to King Daryavesh, King Darius, and that he was indeed faithful. He did his job. He did that which was pleasing to the king. He was the one that sought to be a blessing to the king, that the king will be pleased with him. And so, now they realize if we cannot find a fault in Daniel in relationship to the kingdom and to the work in the kingdom of the Medo-Persians, well, the only way to find occasion against him is concerning the law of his God. Notice the word occasion. The word occasion is to find some fault, some fault in a person. And so they realized that they could not find fault in the way he behaved in the kingdom of the Medo-Persians. So they planned and they thought, well, the only way to find fault in Daniel is concerning the law of his God. Well, 
to remind you again, beloved brothers and sisters, that Daniel, Hananiah, Zariah, Mishael, and the children of Israel were still under the law, the Torah, the law of his God. They believe in the God of Israel, one and only God. They did not worship any other images. They did not worship any other gods, as the three young men did not fall before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar have made, this golden image, as we have read it in chapter 3. Because they believe in only one God, the God of Israel, the God of heaven. And so they sought to find an occasion against Daniel concerning his God. So you notice, beloved brothers and sisters, in verses 6 and 7 of Daniel chapter 6, the presidents and the princes approach King Darius. They have a plan. They came together in order to consult him about what they have already have kind of organized and planned concerning Daniel. And so we read in verse 6, Then these presidents and princes assembled together, notice that, to the king, and they said, Thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. Now verse 7, All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. My beloved brothers and sisters, notice how they have really lied to King Darius. They knew very well that the king wanted to elevate Daniel. The king sought, according to verse 3, to set him over the whole realm. So in envy towards Daniel, and seeking to cause him to fall, not wanting him to be the one that will be set over all the realm of Darius' kingdom, in their envy and in their jealousy, they consulted together among themselves. And of course, they lied to King Darius. They, they were not consulting Daniel about it. He was the one that one of the three of the presidents over all the princes. But no, they wanted Daniel to be removed. And how sad it is. Whenever, even in the days in which we live in, in the church age, when true believers in the Lord Yeshua the Messiah seek to please God, how often time there will be those that will seek to cause them to stumble and to fall and to find something wrong with them because of their faith in the person of the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. And so they come together before the king and they saying to the king in verse 7 that all the president, the governors, the princes, the counselors, the captain, they've all again noticed consulting together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, except to thee, O king, 
you king the riot, if someone will ask any god and any man, any prayer or any request, except it is done through thee, through you, King Darius, then he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now notice how these envious people have gathered together to seek to find fault and to cause harm to this man of God. Doesn't it remind us of some of the words of the psalmist of Israel who wrote many, many years ago in the history of Israel, the wicked are estranged from the womb, they go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. Notice that they are speaking lies. This is Psalm 58 and verse 3. Then Psalm 59 as well, in verse 3 we read, For Lord, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, not for any transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. Notice that there's nothing that I've done, but they seem to gather together against me, not because of anything wrong that I've done, but this is out of envy, beloved brothers and sisters, sadly to see what the world in envious can do against God's people as these princes and presidents have done against these men of God, Daniel, the one that was serving Darius, the king faithfully. In Psalm 62 and verse 4 we read, They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah, the psalmist of Israel, said, Beloved brothers, King David in his challenging time in his life, we continue in Psalm 64, and there notice that what we read in Hear my voice, verse 1, O God, in my prayer, preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity who wet their tongue like a sword, and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect, suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not, we read. In verse 5 and 6 of Psalm 64, we read, they encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares privately. They say, who shall see them? They searched out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. Once and again, beloved brothers and sisters, men, wicked men, sought to harm the people of God. In the context of the Psalms is the men of Daniel um, in our chapter, but it was David in the Psalms who cried to the Lord for help. Notice what we read in Psalm 83 concerning the enemies of the nation of Israel 
who want to do away with the people of Israel. Psalm 83, we read in verse 1, a song and psalm of Asaph. Keep not thou silence, O God, hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God, for lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people, and consulted, notice this, consulted against thy hidden ones. And what do they say? Notice that, verse 4, They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. And then he give you the list from verse 5 on of the nation that seek to do away with the nation of Israel, and they say that the name of Israel be no more in remembrance. Beloved brothers and sisters, this is what have occurred and still occurring throughout history concerning the plan of God for the people of Israel. And here we see the way in which the princes and the presidents of the Medo-Persians in their animosity against Daniel seek to do away with these Hebrew men who was such a blessing to the kingdom of Medo-Persia. Well, when they have come before the king, notice they said to him in verse 7, that whoever shall ask a petition of any god, not only any god, but any man, in other words, you cannot pray to your own god, and you cannot ask any man, namely to go through a mediator, whether it is a priest, or anyone who is the one representing their God. Now, of course, to remind you that the Medo-Persians, as the Babylonians, had their own gods, many gods. And the Medo-Persian kingdom was filled with people who worshipped all sorts of gods. So, what they would say here, that no one can go to pray to his own God, or pray through the priest or whoever representing their idol, and therefore they would stop anyone to pray to their God. Now, of course, Daniel did not pray to any God. He prayed to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the God of Israel, to the God of heaven. And they knew this very well. And so they sought, as we have read it earlier in verse 5, they sought to find against him an occasion concerning the law of his God, Daniel's God, the God of heaven and earth, the creator of heaven and earth. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, it's amazing to see the lengths to which they have gone through in order to find something wrong with Daniel and to accuse him so he will be punished and will no longer have the position that Darius gave him in his own kingdom. And so you notice, no one can add petition of any god, no one can add petition of any man, and the length of the time according to verse 7 is one month for 30 days, and the only way to ask anything of one's god is 
through King Darius, according to their plan and their suggestion to King Darius. And if they will violate, if anyone will violate this arrangement that they propose to King Darius, if they will violate this, then they will be cast into the den of lions. Now, of course, Darius, the king, when he heard that, you notice, we will see that, that he was so pleased with that, because who wouldn't want, you might say, the pride of men, is that everyone will come to him, everyone will exalt. In fact, what we learn here, that Darius was placed as a god, with a small g. That everything and everyone has to pray to the true and living God, to any God, through Darius. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, notice what we learn from these verses, that they sought to find fault in Daniel, knowing that Daniel believed in the God of heaven. And that Daniel's God was not idol or a man-made God, but he was different than all others. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, we do learn in the next verses that apparently Darius was pleased with this. And so we read in verse 8 that the, now, O king, as they requested from him, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians which altereth not. So, beloved brothers and sisters, how here we learn that they were successful outwardly to influence Darius. So, they asked him to establish a decree and to sign it in writing and to remind him that it is done according to the law of the Medes of Persian, which cannot be altered. That's what they requested from King Darius. Now, of course, according to Scripture, we learn that the law of the Medes and Persian cannot be altered. If you remember in the history of the people of Israel, the Jewish people who remained there in Medo Persia during the time of the chapters which we studied, the book of Daniel, when the Jewish people were in Babylon, later on in the kingdom of the Middle Persian, you remember when Queen Esther, when she became a queen, Hadassah, whose Persian name is Esther, when she became a queen, she became a queen after Vashti did not want to come to present herself before all those who came for the celebration of King Ahasuerosh. You remember where Vashti did not want to come, so what we learned that his counselors said to King Ahasuerosh, if it please the king, let there be a royal commandment from him, And let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate 
unto another that is better than she. In other words, the advisors of King Ahasuerus, the king of Persia also, gave him this counsel that because Vashti, his wife, did not want to present herself before all the people who came for this celebration, this feast that he made, and she refused to come, and so they recommended that the law will be made according to the law of the Middle Persian, that she will no longer be able to come anymore, that she will be divorced from the king, and her position will be given to another person different than her, and better than her. And ultimately, of course, Hadassah, that is Esther, became the queen of Persia during the kingdom of Ahasuerus. Well, you see how interesting that these evil men wanted King Darius to make this decree and to sign it that no one will be able to change this decree and it will be according to the law of the Medes and Persian. And so this law of the Medes and Persian cannot be altered. So, of course, they were successful in influencing him knowing that now they can find fault in Daniel's in relationship to his own God, knowing that Daniel was always in a state of prayer in his own house, praying to his God. And what an amazing thing we learn here, beloved brothers and sisters. So, verse 9 of Daniel chapter 6, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. He signed it, he sealed it, and now, beloved brothers and sisters, nothing can change anymore because now they were ready to find the fault in Daniel's activities. And so in the next verses, verses 10 and 11, we see the faithfulness and the uncompromising stand fastness of Daniel. He was faithful to his God. He didn't change anything that he was always doing. He always, in his life, from his youth, in the land of Israel, and continuing on wherever he was, he and other godly Jewish people always, always prayed to the God of Israel three times a day. This is such a wonderful testimony that we learn concerning Daniel. Let me just read a verse that is found in Psalm 55 and verse 17 before we will continue with the next verses. Notice what we read in Psalm 55, a Psalm of David, and verse 17, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he, that is our God, will hear my voice. This is, beloved brothers and sisters, is still the custom among the Jewish people over the ages, the conservative Jewish people, at all time, and why evening, morning, and at noon? Because there was the evening sacrifice. There was the morning sacrifice. 
There was the sacrifice that were offering during the day. And when those sacrifices in the temple were rose up to God, the praises of the Lord had been risen to the God of Israel. And when Israel was in tune with the God of Israel, Israel were raising the praises to their God. Wonderful to see that. And, and there is a continuity in the evening and morning and at noon. And why it's evening? Because the biblical days, the Hebrew calendar began at evening. From even to even ye shall celebrate your Shabbat. Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 32. And so notice what we read in Daniel 6 verses 10 and 11. We read of the uncompromising faithfulness of Daniel. What does he do? Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in the, his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Now notice this, this verse 10 is a fascinating verse, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friend. This verse 10 of Daniel chapter 6 is a verse that shows us that Daniel simply continued on with what he was doing all the time. He was a man of prayer. We can just imagine that he was at all times praying. He was not only praying these three times. Remind us of 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. He had an attitude of prayer towards God in his life. But here we notice that Daniel did what he always did. We find him in verse 10 when he knew what they have done. And that King Darius signed that decree, and that he have announced it. And now he went to his own to his own house. He withdrew from them all, and he went to his own home. And there, notice it says, his windows being open in his chamber. Notice he doesn't say that he purposely opened his windows in his chamber. It was open. At all time, because that was the manner in which he was praying. Why it was open? Because he was directing, according to verse 10, his prayer towards the city of Jerusalem. And why he was directing his prayer towards the city of Jerusalem? Because he was now away from the land. He and his own people, the Jewish people, were now in the diaspora they became captive they have been sent away from the land of their forefathers imagine and they were taken to Babylon and now he's away from the promised land from the temple in Jerusalem which was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar and so if you remember when the temple was built by King Shlomo, Solomon King Shlomo, King Solomon, when he finished to build the temple in Yerushalayim, he asked God in prayer. After raising his voice in prayer, offering sacrifices of thanks, giving to the God of Israel, 
King Shlomo Solomon said in his prayer to the Lord. Let me read you First Kings chapter eight and verse twenty-nine and thirty, where King Solomon prayed. He said in verse twenty-nine that thine eyes may be open towards this house night and day even towards the place which thou hast said my name shall be there that thou mayest hearken unto the prayer which thy servant shall make towards this place you see king solomon desired that the eyes of god may be open toward this house this is the temple in Yerushalayim. He continued in verse 30, and he said, And hearken unto the supplication of thy servant, and of thy people, Israel, when they shall pray towards this place, and hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and when thou hearest, forgive. So King Shlomo, Pray to God that when God disciplines His people and He has to remove them out of the land, that when they pray towards this place and this city of Yerushalayim, towards this house, that, that God will hear the cry of these people and will forgive them and restore them. In the very same First Kings chapter 8, we do read in verse 46, he continued and King Solomon said, if they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them to the enemy, so that they carry them away, captive unto the land of the enemy, far or near. Yet if they shall bethink themselves in the land whither they were carried captive, and repent, and make supplication unto thee in the land of them that carry them captive, saying, We have sinned and have done perversely. We have committed wickedness. And notice what he said in verse 48 in his prayer, King Solomon to the God of Israel. And so return unto thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies, which led them away captive and pray unto thee toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, the city, this is Yerushalayim, which thou hast chosen, and the house, this is the temple, Beit HaMikdash, which I have built for thy name, then hear, verse 49, their prayer, and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people that have sinned against thee. Oh, beloved brothers and sisters, Daniel never forgot this prayer written in the book, in the Hebrew scriptures, and Daniel understood that he and Israel have, they were judged by God because of their unbelief and disobedience, and now from there, from Babylon, this time when he continued to be under the Medo-Persian, he continued to pray as he had done that before. Notice it says here in verse 10, He kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and he prayed, 
and gave thanks before his God, as he did a full time. He didn't change his manner. He didn't change the time. He didn't change the place where he was praying there by his window in his own chamber. He didn't change the direction. He continued to pray towards Jerusalem. He didn't change how many times a day. He didn't change. He just continued on with that which God have instructed his people Israel. Where David says, Evening, morning, and at noon will I cry unto thee. Where King Shlomo said, If they will pray towards that city, hear their prayer. And oh, beloved brothers and sisters, what an example we have in this man by the name of Daniel. Doesn't it remind us of the attitude of the apostle Shaul Paul, who also prayed for the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3, where we read there in verse 13, and 14, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory, and for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, of whom the whole families, or every family in heaven and in earth are named. In other words, Paul, as a Jewish believer in Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, have set this example, just like Daniel have done so as well, praying, bowing his knees, upon his knees, three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he have done a four time. Notice what we read in verse 11, we do read in verse 11, that these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Notice that they have seen him before, They've watched him at all time. They knew very well that he was different than them, that he was a man who believed in the God of heaven, in the God of Israel. And they were jealous over him, and they sought to find fault in him, knowing that King Darius thought to set him over his whole realm. And so the final verses for this message, beloved brothers and sisters, are found here in Daniel 6, verses 12 to 17. And notice the initial apparent success that Daniel's enemies had. Apparent success. But they will ultimately be defeated because Daniel's God is able to deliver him out of his enemies. And so we read in verse 12 that the presidents and princes reminded King Darius of his decree. We read in verse 12, And then they came near, they spake before the king concerning the king's decree, Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall make a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lion? Well, the king answered, and he said, Unto them, the thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persian, which altereth not. In other words, they came to the king, and they reminded him, didn't you make that decree some days ago? And that you signed that decree? And that no one can make any petition to any god, or even to any man, except to you, 
for the 30 days? And he agreed, yes. I have signed the decree. Now he initially, beloved brothers and sisters, didn't know that they have tricked him. King Darius was pleased that his princes and that his presidents come before him. He was very pleased with it. That's why he signed it. And so now notice this, beloved brothers and sisters, verse 13 and 14, now they come to him and the accusation of Daniel before King Darius. We read here in verses 13 and 14, Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree which thou hast signed, and but he maketh a petition for three times a day. Daniel doesn't care for you. Doesn't, doesn't care uh, the, uh, concerning the decree which you have signed. And this Daniel is making petition three times a day, not only once. He doesn't come to you to ask you if he can pray to his God. He doesn't go to any priest or any leader among the, the nation, or pagan gods, to ask them if he can pray. He gone to his own chamber and he's praying three times a day. But notice what we read, beloved brothers and sisters, in verse 14. You see, in chapter 3, when King Nebuchadnezzar made this image of gold, and when he heard of those who accused Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, that they did not bow to the image of the king, King Nebuchadnezzar was very angry. And yet he also gave them an opportunity to bow before that image, but yet he cast them into the furnace of fire because he was angry with them. But you notice here about King Darius, he actually was not angry against Daniel, but he actually was so displeased because he was tricked by his own princes and presidents to sign that decree against those that would pray to their own God, and specifically against Daniel, whom he cared for and sought to set him over his own realm, knowing who Daniel was, that Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. And so we read in verse 14, Then the king, when he heard these words, he was so displeased with himself, in other words, how could I have been so unwise to allow these princes and presidents to trick me into signing this? They really didn't care for me. They didn't really want my well-being. They actually wanted to use me that I would turn against Daniel. Notice what we read. He, he was so displeased within himself, he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. In other words, he worked the whole night trying to find a solution. How can I deliver Daniel from this terrible declaration? And you see, beloved brothers and sisters, Darius, the king of Babylon under King Cyrus, who was the king of the province of Babylon, that was under the whole kingdom of Persia, he 
cared for Daniel, and he recognized now that he fell into the hands of his princes and presidents. And so he sought until the end of the day, until the sun was down, to deliver. But he could not deliver Daniel. He could not. Why? Because we read in verse 15, the reminder of what his evil princes and presidents did. Notice, they came to him, verse 15, these, uh, these men assembled unto the king, and they said unto the king, No, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persian is that no decree or no status which the king established may be changed. They reminded him that he cannot change. The law of the Medes and the Persian could not change. If he gave the law, he signed the decree, he could not deliver Daniel out of this death when he will be cast into the lion's den. And so this portion of this ministry is concluded with verses 16 and 17. He had to cast Daniel into the lion's den. And so the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and notice that he could not change anything, verse 16, and they cast him into the den of lions. But notice, beloved brothers and sisters, how he cared for Daniel. The king spake and said unto Daniel, Notice, Daniel is cast already into the lion's den. And the king is now speaking to him. And he says to Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, He will deliver thee. He understood and he saw in the life of Daniel that Daniel was such a godly man and he did believe that Daniel's God is able to deliver Daniel from these lions in the lion's den. He, King Darius, could not do that. But Daniel's God could do that. In Psalm 34, verse 7, we read, The angel of the Lord encamp around them that fear him and delivereth them. God is able to deliver His own people. In verse 19 of the very same psalm, we read, Many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. In other words, opposition and enemies will rise up against God's people in your life, in my life, in, in Israel's life, in the history of Israel, in the history of the church, and God is able to deliver His people out of the hand of their enemies. Beloved brothers and sisters, this is what a wonderful encouragement to our own hearts. In Psalm 37 we read, in verse 39, But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, on the other hand, we think about our blessed Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, who did not come to this world, come for the purpose of giving his life a ransom for many. For him, there was no deliverance from death because he must die for the sin of this world. In Matthew 27 and verse 42, we read, notice what we read in verse 42. We read, he saved others himself he cannot save. 
You remember the people, the chief priests saying this, the scribe and the elders, and all who were against Yeshua the Messiah said this. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe on him. And they're quoting the scripture that is found in Psalm 22. He trusted in God. Let him, this is God, deliver him now if he will save him. For he said, I am the son of God. See, everyone was against Yeshua, the Messiah. But the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, could not be delivered because he must die for your sins and mine, beloved friend. And this is amazing to learn, but... God will deliver His servants one way or another. He will sustain them and help them to be delivered from their enemies. And so wonderful to know that you and I were delivered because of the finished work of Christ. We delivered spiritually and eternally from the punishment which we deserve to receive because of our sins. How wonderful to know that, beloved brothers and sisters, I just want to read one more verse in Second Peter chapter 2. We read Peter wrote in verse 9. He said, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. God is able to deliver His own people out of their enemies. And so we read, in verse 17, uh, we read, And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and a king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his Lord, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Why? Because he had to submit to the law of the Medes and Persian, which could not be altered. And so, beloved friend, the first 17 verses, Daniel is cast into the lion's den, and it is all because of the envy and the animosity of those who oppose him and his God. And yet we will learn in the next message on Daniel chapter 6 and verses 18 to verse 28, how God have delivered Daniel from the hands of his enemies. May God encourage our hearts to trust him, to follow after him, and allow him to sustain us as we continue on in our life here in this world. Well, God bless you. Until the next time, we say, Shalom, Shalom.